Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I am your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Studio B is great. It is. It's, hey, it's a good studio. You know, uh, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful for the people that actually watch this, you know, like sometimes I wonder what's going on out there. We don't get a lot of feedback, right? Like I get emails here and there. I get some comments here and there. But what I really desire, I desire people to like share this, like it, subscribe, ring the bell, do all those things, but also to, to comment and send us emails. We oh, we, love, know we need some more comments. What's going on out there? What are you guys doing? We want to know what you're doing. Are you reading it, right? When you read it, do you get something different? Did you come up with something? Like, I want to know. Let the people know. The people are interested. You know what I mean? And you know what's funny? Wow. Some of the comments I get are like like harebrained comments, right? Where people come up with all kinds of, you know, interesting doctrines and things like that. Or they have some, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I even like those. Of you course. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like kind of feedback. Even, feedback. Even, exactly. I even like those. So so let's hear from you. My email is ryan at twopraise.net. You can email me there if you want to keep it on uh, in, in the private sector. But if uh, you want to put it out in the public sector, uh, go ahead and do that. You can do it on Facebook, on uh, uh, YouTube, and then also we have our audio podcast. And if you're on the audio podcast, make sure you rate and review the podcast because that really helps us out too in getting the word out. And the word is getting out, praise God. Like somehow, even without the feedback, people are listening to the podcast. I don't know who they are because they don't comment, <laughs> but, right. but they're out there. Big Brother's watching you. Yeah. So... We, uh, for those of you that maybe this is your first time listening to Christians with Torah or viewing Christians with Torah, uh, we are Christians with Torah. Amen. And that doesn't mean that there's Christians out there that don't have Torah. It just means that we believe doctrinally that the whole Bible from Genesis it's all right. the way to maps the Torah is relevant for is today. relevant for today. And it's relevant to believers and that we should be, uh, doing the same thing that a lot of people that enter into the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith do. They're like reading their Bible and they're like, why are we doing this when it says don't do this? And why aren't we doing this when it says do this? And so it's just kind of a, right. a bumpy journey, but we're all on it and we're having a good time. And we're learning. That's right. And so for the last four years, we've done the Torah portions. And if you've been uh, listening, then you already know that. But if you're new, like I said, go back and look at the Torah portions. Like this week's Torah portion, you can go and you can see four years of episodes, four different episodes where we did that tour portion and we have commentary and notes and all that kind of stuff on it. Go back and listen to it. Uh, and then you can still, you know, make comments and stuff on that as well. And we'd love to hear that. But this year we've been doing the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 21 and we're going to do the second half of the chapter, uh, verses 23 through 46. And we begin with the chief priests inquire about Jesus' authority. All right, I'll read. Yes. Verses 23 through 27 in Matthew chapter 21, the chief priests inquire about Jesus's authority. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he cleanses the temple and now he's cleaning house and now they're uh, saying, hey, you know, what's up with you? You know? All right. 
And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I in likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, uh, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Jesus, the word It's a Jewish thing, you know. So you ask a question, yeah. you get a question. That's right. Oh, well, let me ask you. No, let me ask you. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Jewish way. Why do you answer a question with a question? I know. Why don't you like having a question answered <laughs> with a question? <laughs> so you want to hit it? Does that bother you? Yes. So uh, the Pharisees demanded to know where Jesus got his authority. If Jesus said his authority came from God, they would accuse him of blasphemy. Blasphemer! If he said that he was acting on his own authority, then the crowds that are watching on would be convinced that the Pharisees had greater authority than him, right? So he saw that the Pharisees were... What gives you right to do this? Putting him in a pickle, right? What are you doing? Exactly right. And so um, verse 24, Jesus answered and said unto them, I will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, then in likewise, I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? Where did it come from? From heaven or from men? And so they reasoned with themselves, saying, If ye shall say, From heaven, he will say unto us, Why did you not believe him? But if we say then, Of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. So he's like, okay, well, if you can't answer my question, then I'm not going to answer your question. Good point. So the chief priests and the elders of the people didn't really want an answer to their question. They only wanted to trap Jesus. That's all they wanted. You agree with that statement? They're trying to trap him. That's a good point. They were trying to trap him. And so he took what they were doing, where they were trying to stick him between blasphemy, right, and and diminishing his authority. Like who gave you authority? Right. You know, well, that, it's God or man. But they think they're giving him two choices, right? Yeah. Blasphemy or diminished authority. Right. Right? One or the other. Oh, like so, self-appointed authority. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, really? You're doing this on your own? Right. So he flips the script That's on That's a good question to ask people in Hebrew roots. Yeah. By what authority do you do these things? <laughs> by what authority do you have your ideology and practice your faith? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you have authority over yourself? So this is an interesting point that you bring up. Because I would venture to say that most people that you can kind of tell that they're into their opinion, right? They worship at that altar, that altar of their own opinion. So it's going to be very difficult to convince them that the authority doesn't come from God in the Bible, right? Because right. they've convinced themselves that it does. Oh, yeah. A legend in your own mind. A legend in their own mind. All right. So, so what does Jesus do in this situation? They've put him between a rock and a hard place, or at least they think they have, right? Between blasphemy and diminished authority. And so he flips the script on them, and he sticks them between blasphemy and diminished authority. Throws it on them. (laughs) That was good. It is. So let me ask you this then. Why do you have authority to practice your faith in the manner that you do? An example here, the the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. Right. Discuss why you have authority to practice your faith. The example is the Hebrew roots movement. Um, I would say this. 
We have authority when our faith manifests in action by his word and his Holy Spirit. Okay. So that's the authority that's been given to us, of course, in his name. So we have authority when our faith manifests in action by his word and his Holy Spirit. Okay. So like we have the authority to declare the Sabbath and practice it. We have authority to say that's the day. That's authority. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I tell my wife and my kids, you know. So that's something to think about. Um, what, what do you what do you see as far as authority goes? I like that song by uh, well John Cougar Mellencamp. I fought authority, and authority always won. Is that the I fought the law, but the law won? No, I fought authority. Authority always wins. Yeah, never heard that. Yeah, must John be Cougar from Mellencamp. a previous previous yeah. generation. John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> We're going to get into that because I got an example of what happens when you think you have authority and you don't. But go ahead and expound on authority. So, so I, I look at this kind of like w the way people make decisions, right? People make decisions based on emotion, uh, especially say like buying decisions, right? So in sales, you know, people make decisions based on emotions, but they substantiate their decisions with logic. So the decision itself is never made with just logic. Oh, this is the logical decision, so let's make it. Unless they have some emotional tie to logic. Right. So they make the decision emotionally. Logic is what they use to defend the decision. So in this case, right, when we're talking about how do we practice our faith, a lot of times people are making this decision on how they practice their faith by the spirit. Right. By some internal feeling that they have. You follow me? Yeah. But they have to be able to substantiate it with the word of God. Right. Right. Yeah. So. That's why you see people out there that kind of do things willy-nilly because, again, they're doing things out of emotion or they're doing things because that's how they feel, right? They feel like this is the right decision. Um, like, they feel like the LGBTQ movement is just love, you know? But then you can't substantiate that with Scripture, right? So would you say that that, that, that authority is based on actually a conclusion? Like, like, let's say you know something to be, like the Sabbath, Right. We have the authority to declare Friday night to Saturday night, it's the Sabbath. We have the authority and we do it. Mm. Is that recognizing the authority and practicing it? Or, 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 or is it like when you're saying willy nilly, is that authority doesn't even come into play though, does it? So, okay. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, I do. Cause, cause, cause like if you're thinking about something, like really when I come before the people and I say, hey, we're going to do this, I'm using my position of authority to declare a revelation that we're going to do this. Sure. Like the Daniel fast. Right. At Teshuva or whatever, you know, hey, he's got authority. He's the leader of the house. He says we should do this. And he's asking us. He's declaring it. But I'm just saying, like you said, if it's just a common person or whatever, I'm just saying, how does authority fit into your own personal life? How, how do you do personal authority? Those commoners. So <laughs> <laughs> those common folks. <laughs> um, okay. So, so I know I, that's deep. Well, it, it is. And I think that we got to take one step back and look at the difference between power and authority. Yeah. So in many cases, people have the power to do things, and they do it. Right. But they were not authorized, right? right. Which, is, which is, there's a difference there. Right. So we believe that we get our authority from the Lord through the scriptures. So then what we do is we say, okay, everything we do has to be tested by this. So we give the scriptures the ultimate authority, because that's what we have. Right. So when we do things by the Spirit, and because of... Or, I say by the Spirit. I don't want to get confused by saying the wrong words. When we do things emotionally or based on feelings, right. then that's not necessarily by authority, right? Unless we can substantiate it with Scripture. So in this case, I was giving the 
LGBTQ movement within the church, as an example, people have the power to like, there's, there's people within the, uh, the church and especially within like major old school denominations that have the power to allow people of authority or people that are in that movement to be in a, in positions of proposed authority, right? right. Deacons or, or pastors or right. bishops and things like that. But do they really have the authority by the scriptures? So they have the power, but they don't have the authority. Another example of power and authority, I've heard it done this way is, uh, you have a crossing guard, right? Or, uh, so the light, the, the, the lights go out or whatever, the power goes out to the traffic lights. And so you got your cop standing in the middle. And so when somebody has the power, a Mack truck is coming and it's going to blow the intersection and they just like the Hulk and just like stop it. Right. That's power. They have the power to do it. But authority would be, Hey, I put my hand out and it stops. Right. The, That's the truck. Point. Right. It's kind of, kind of differences there. And in this case, when we're talking about how we express our faith and how we decide how we should express our faith, I think that by the Spirit of God, we depend on the authority of Scripture. And that's where I think the church as a whole has kind of taken some left turns, is they've made decisions contrary to Scripture, right? right? In their own power and in their own authority, not based on the authority of Scripture and not based on the authority of God. And so I think in the Hebrew Roots movement, people are trying to be true to the Scriptures. Right. Um, Now— that doesn't mean that they're always successful because people have come up with some interpretations through eisegetical things, right? Where they pull something out of context right. or whatever, and it happens. But in our case, I think we can only, by the Spirit of God, do the best we can to, to focus and on, on the authority also, of Scripture. Also, what has the authority accomplished? Mm. Like people would question the governor of the state of Florida. But what authority did he have to do the things he did? Well, it produced fruit produced you know well he had the authority income. of it the produced, people yeah so i'm just saying that here's an example of not having authority acts 19 13 through 17 this is an example of not having authority right then certain of the vagabond jews exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the lord jesus saying we adjure you by jesus whom paul preacheth and there were seven sons of one skiva a jew and chief of the priests which did so And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them. Mm. Wow. So that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? Seven sons of Sceva, one spirit and a guy. They were naked and wounded. So, so they didn't have So authority. help me understand where they went wrong, the seven sons of Sceva. They didn't have a personal relationship with Yeshua, Jesus. Got it. Like you can't, you know, his so name They were just Bible. using his name like a, like a magic word, like hocus pocus. How many things are done in Jesus' name? Abracadabra. The Holocaust was done in Jesus' name. The, the Germans were, you know, they were, they were you know, having prayers and they had crosses on their belt buckles. The Inquisition. I'm just saying that a lot of things were done in the name of Jesus that were atrocities, that were not true or good. It's almost like attributing the, the angel Gabriel to the one who came to Muhammad and gave him the Quran or or Gabriel, you know, <laughs> to uh, John Smith. Is that the guy that started the... Uh, Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, not. Gabriel's like, no. <laughs> no you that got wasn't me, me mixed up with somebody else. <laughs> just, a false that, angel. That was not me. <laughs> I know, but isn't that interesting how you attribute those things? I know. So anyway, I thought that was interesting, an uh, uh, example of not having authority. Mm-hmm. So do you want to move on? I do. I do. It's, uh, you, you can read Matthew 28, uh, verses 28 through 32 and 21, the parable of the two sons. This is where things get interesting. All right. So, but what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. He repented. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, The first. And Jesus answered back and said, Assuredly, I say to you that the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Does it repent? Yeah, it says relent on mine. This oh, is the New King James versus the King James. Oh, but you know what? I do have a little one here next to it. And if I go down, it does say in verse 32, regret it. Oh, wow. So. So number four. What did the father ask his son to do in the parable of the two sons? Yeah, he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He told him to. Right. And what was the son's response and what did he do? He says, I will not. But then afterward, he repented and went. Wow. What was the second son's response and what did he do when he was told to do the same thing? He said, I go, sir, but in, didn't go. Oh, I'll go to the vineyard, but he didn't go. Mm-hmm. So, so this is what comes to my mind. The second son did not keep his word. No, of course not. Can you imagine that, Ryan, that, that if God's asking us to do something and we don't do it? Let me give you an example. What if the Lord was saying to me, the Orthodox Jews are going to be calling you from Israel. Receive them. Let them come. Mm-hmm. And I go, no, I'm not doing it. Ugh. Now, I don't even want to think what would happen to this church if I did not heed the call of the Lord to allow the Jews to come into our church. I can't envision what it would look like or be. So just something to think about. Yeah. You know, hear his voice and obey. So we're off to a good start. I would think so. And... uh Of course, what did the chief priests and the elders of the people say when Yeshua asked them, what son did the will of the Father? They said the first, right? That was good. Which one did the will of the Father? And so... That's good. It is good. So the son who said he would obey and then didn't represented many of the people in Israel in Yeshua's day, particularly the religious leaders. They said they wanted to do God's will, but constantly disobeyed him. They were phony. Just going through the motions... It is dangerous to pretend to obey God when our hearts are far from him because God knows our true intentions. Our actions must match our words. It's interesting because the vineyard represents Israel. Right. So I want you to think about this. A thought just came to my mind. As we let Scripture interpret Scripture, think about this now. If the vineyard truly represents Israel, right, or the people, and God's asking all those in the Hebrews movement to join a group, and they don't. 
They right. join themselves. Right. I'm just, that's a whole other world. It is. I'm just thinking. Well, yeah, there's so much splintering and disunity within the Hebrew roots because of the lack of agreement. You know, people distrust institutions and authority and they, you know, they put too much emphasis on, you know, certain kind of non-essential doctrines and it, it, it splinters the people. It's unfortunate, really. Um, so now he's going to basically give an explanation that there are those that are responding. Right. right that right. they're listening. They're listening and then they're repenting. Well, here's what, here's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. And I, I tell you what, these are some harsh words. <laughs> you know, Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. I mean, wow. tax collectors and prostitutes are going to go in before the, the, the priests and the Pharisees, right? I mean, this is, this is tough, right? They say a religious spirit is the worst spirit to have. Well, You'll take one and convert him and make him worse than yourself? How about oh that one? Gosh, yeah. So that guy was bad news. Yeah, and the next guy's even worse. Even worse. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the fault-finding spirit, judgmental. Yeah. Ah, you know. You know, it's, it's funny because um, I saw... Uh, it's this, too easy to be critical. This clip somebody sent me over, and it was... Um, I think it was the show The View. It had to be because Whoopi Goldberg was in it. And they were talking about Christians, and one of the ladies on there, um, you know, poor thing, was basically being used as a useful idiot, talked about how she used to be in church when she grew up in church or whatever, and they taught her about love and people and all that. And then she talks about how, like you know, the most accepting places she's ever been is gay bars, you know, and then all, it just, it was this whole, whole slew of stuff, you know, about how, how Christians are basically trying to push their agenda on the people and tell them how they're supposed to think and all this stuff. Right. Which is funny because it's literally what's happening, but in the opposite direction. So what happens here is that they're giving this explanation about what they have decided is good and evil. Right. Right. And misleading the people with their, you know, with their slick words and their appeal to uh, people's, you know, love and humanity and acceptance and their own personal desire for acceptance, you know, because everybody's got something, you know, going on. That's true. And so I, I find it interesting that even these people, right, that people that have the religious spirit that are causing these people to feel the way that they are, right? They're looking at Christians as if Christians are these bad people, right? That's the reason why they feel is just because of the religious spirit within the church, pointing the finger and, you know, calling, you know, these people out and demeaning these people and things like that, right? So because of that, those very people, if they repent and believe on Jesus, will make it into the kingdom faster than the people that are calling them out. Right. And that's, that's true. And this is an unfortunate reality that we live in that's today. That's true. That instead of preaching the gospel, right, as a message of love and forgiveness and of a changed heart, right, we're preaching the gospel in a different manner. Now, so, where's the borderline of how you get sin out of the, the equation, right? I think that Jesus, that's his job, right? That's good. Big, big issue there. So... So let me ask you this then. Discuss why some believe and repent and others don't. 
Okay, discuss why some believe and repent and others do not. So let's just look at it like this from our own personal experiences. Some believe when the heart receives it and they recognize the need for a redeemer. Right. You know, so some believe when the heart receives it and they recognize the need for a redeemer. That was me. Now, to be born again is when your spirit and God's spirit meet together. Right. Okay. Now, I had people trying to come to me with the gospel. But I didn't really receive it because I said, oh, I'm Catholic. I was sufficient. They yeah. were the ones that needed, you know, something. Yeah. I had what I needed, and <laughs> yeah. they needed to be me. You're a good Catholic. Um, and then, of course, uh, I would also say this as well. This is where it gets to be very interesting. And it's kind of twofold because I would even use myself as an example. Some don't believe because of a hardened heart. Ooh. And others because of timing. So, see, my heart wasn't hardened to those people trying to, to I remember who, who God was showing me that he was trying to reach me even then. Sure. It was just timing. Yeah. I had to go down the Well, those were seeds that were deeper. planted. And but I look back on it now. You got watered in the and pit. I actually went to some of those people and told them, thank you for, yeah. I gave my life to the Lord. And Aww, they just smiled. They're like, wow, you know. That's amazing. That's so, a good thing you did by telling those people. Well, because, like I said, I mean, I just, I just. I mean, think about it, Ryan. How many people do I influence mm. that I don't even know? Yeah, all of us. Yeah, even yourself. Cast the shadow. How many people does Ryan influence mm. because of your witness that you don't even know about? Yeah, you know, it was just like putting those videos together. They're congratulating me. Yeah. Orthodox Jews congratulating a pastor for 20 years. Yeah. That is a miracle. It is. How do you even describe that? Yeah. I've... It's like a, it's like prophecies. Yeah. It's like, it's a God thing. Absolutely. Because people are like, God takes foolish things to confound the wise. That's right. Orthodox Jews are telling Pastor Nick, happy 20th anniversary. Yep. Which is that awesome. Is, it's mind boggling. Yep. Really? Wow, see, God's ways are higher than our ways. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, once again, so it's the hardened heart, and then because of timing, so in March of 92 is when I was, I was 24 years old. I was going to be 25 yeah. that my life was changed. So I think I have a real good understanding of why people don't come to the Lord, right? Pride being the number one thing. Ooh. And pride goes in both directions, right? Pride as in, you know, they trust in themselves, right? right. They put their trust in something else, Um and again, that worshiping at the worshiping, worshiping at the altar of your own opinion, That's I think is a big piece. Um, pride also in like your sin. Oh, my sin is too is so bad that even God can't can't take care of this, oh, wow. right? Because even that, as much as it sounds like it's it's the opposite of pride, it's really just pride. You're just putting, you're just elevating how bad you are because oh yeah, you're just so much worse than all those other people that receive forgiveness from the Lord. Because God's not big enough to handle your stuff, you know. Um, which in in reality is a ridiculous statement, but you don't realize it when you're in it, you know? You know, that would be a good question to ask mm. people, Ryan. How come you won't repent and receive the Lord? Yeah. And see what they say. You know, you know I, I'm just wondering, you know? My friend Dan Schock uh, went on a, um, a trip to Cuba, a mission trip to Cuba, and they were door knocking, you know, going to door to door, and he had a translator with him. And people were like, well, I can't, I can't come to Jesus because I drink. I can't come to Jesus because I, you know, live with my girlfriend or I can't come. They had these things where they were basically a th- the recurring theme was my sin. Oh, and well, I don't want to give this up. Exactly. They wow. feel like because that's that's just that's tough. Well, because think about the average guy. OK, go to the Lord. And then what do I have to do? I have to stop smoking, drinking and hanging out with girls that do. And that's 
what they do, right? That's, that's like, if this, is, if this is your life and this is the substance of how you escape reality by, you know, living how, you know, whatever sin, and I'm just giving those as examples, right? That living in that type of sin, then why go to the Lord, right? Is kind of what their, their point is. And the answer is obviously that there's much more to life than that. I would say the second reason that people don't come to the Lord if I'm trying to boil things down to like the most, the least common denominators is unworthiness. I, um, Erica Joy brought this up, but I do believe that there are people out there that believe that it's too good to be true, right? That the message of the gospel is just too good to be true. They don't feel worthy to receive it. Um, and, and you just, it, it, I would say that those people in their humility are probably better at receiving the Lord. Um, because the Lord really came for those people, the ones that have humbled themselves and feel unworthy. Um, but why do some people receive the Lord? You know, I was reading on this um, in Paul's letters, and, you know, he talks about, you know, behold the the goodness and severity of God, right? right. Showing mercy to some and not to others. You know, why is it, you know, e- even the faith that we have to believe is a gift from God. So we can't even boast in the faith. Right. And so it's like, well, then why doesn't the faith, why isn't the faith given to others? And this is one of the mysteries of God that, you know, why is it that I've received this revelation to the saving knowledge of God to where I have this assurance for eternity and then someone else won't receive it because of their stubbornness? Why the hardness of their heart versus the softness of mine? Why? You know, um, why does that happen? So it's a big, it's a big question. To the point where, like, I don't really know. I don't know. I know why people don't come to the Lord, but why do some people get the opportunity? I don't know how God chooses, because that's really up to him, I would say. It's my turn. The parable of the wicked husbandman. All right. The parable of the wicked husbandman, uh, verses uh, 33 through 35. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Wow. So here we have a, uh, a householder. We have the husbandmen. Now we have servants. I, I mean, I would say keep reading. This is not good. I'm going to keep reading. Yeah. 36 to 39. Again, he sent out other servants, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and they slew him. Wow. So he sent his servants. Right. And uh, that didn't go over too well. No, it sure didn't. Uh, and then he sent his son and they killed him. So when the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? Verses 40 and 41. What's he going to do? It says he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto another husbandman, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. So the parable is telling like a moral, a, a, a story with a moral. A lesson. I think that's it's every a parable. story. It's yeah. a parable. Yeah. So the main elements in this parable are number one, the householder is God. Mm. Number two, the vineyard represents Israel or mm-hmm. the people. Mm-hmm. Number three, the husbandmen represent the Jewish religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Number four, the householder servants 
They represent the prophets and priests who remained faithful to God and preached to Israel. Number five, the son represents Jesus. Mm. Number six, the other husbandmen, the Gentiles. Say what? Jesus was exposing the religious leaders' murderous plot. So I want to take two seconds here just to mention, um, you know, for me personally, when I would hear about the Pharisees and stuff when I was younger, you know, or over the years, you know, before I really started digging into this stuff, I I don't know that it ever occurred to me how evil these people were. Um, This was a corrupt system, system and institution with corrupt people propping it up. And he exposes the corruption. Correct. And so, but, but I want to make that point because I think in me personally, I always try to have the best view of people. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I guess I thought somewhere in there that the Pharisees were just blinded maybe to this through just a misunderstanding of doctrine right. or whatever. Misunderstanding. But that they had good intentions. Right. But these are the same people, right? The same group that over the years stoned the prophets, right? This is the same group that found some way legally, right? And I feel like this is like a mafia where like, you know, it didn't touch me. I didn't touch them. You know what I mean? Like they found some way to keep a, a, a distance from the actual crime itself so that it's like Teflon Don. Because legally, right, even with Yeshua, they didn't do the killing of Jesus. And when remember when Judas brings in the money, Right? They didn't want to touch the money. They didn't want the money in there because that was the, the blood money at that point because somehow that, that affects their little religious system that they had created for themselves. Right, So I look at this and I want people to remember that when Jesus is calling out the Pharisees, this isn't like your average Jew. This isn't your average people. This is an evil, corrupt institution that was in cahoots with Rome, but really for their own self-interest, and that they had been oppressing the people, and that when God would send the, the servants, right, the, the, the true priests to them, when he would send prophets to them, what did they do? They killed them. They found some way to kill these people. What, for blasphemy? He tells the story. Or for what? They found some legal way to do it. He's telling the religious leaders a parable. He is. Well, and, that's, and, then, and so you, know, you think about them. Jeremiah, right? Even in the time of Jeremiah, they were they beat him, they put him in jail. But you know, the comforting words for Jeremiah was that God says you will not die. Right. No, no, of course, so he's in like, his case. This could be it. This but, could be it. He goes, nope, he said I wouldn't die. But the rest of them, no. not so lucky, right? Jeremiah, because up to gosh. this point, you know, what is it? Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou who stonest the prophets, how I long to gather you like a hen doth gather but her not, flock, yeah. but you would not, right? He's talking to these people. Yeah. You know, to make this personable, this is what really touched me. Because like going over this outline, and I was in the back while yeah. you guys were doing your circles, and yeah. I was just reading it. This is what got me. So what's the big deal? Is the vineyard really that important? Ooh. Do we want to have an attitude against the public sector of life and people in general? Mm. Just become, you know, cynical or whatever it is, you know, jaded. Sure. Now, so I got a download. Mm. And it's in John 15, verse 1. Mm-hmm. He says, I am the true vine. That's right. What? And my father is the husbandman. <laughs> every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Amen. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. And this is the verse. I am the vine, ye are the branches. 
He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So we're the branches. That's right. Bait the healers are the branches. So, so... You know what really brings this to life? I'm just saying that. Like, what really brings these parables to life when it comes to the vineyard stuff is going to the vineyards in Israel. Oh, yeah. I would recommend anybody go to Hyavel. The pruning trip alone. Do you know which branches you keep and which branches you cut? No. So we're we're cutting all the branches off. Everything's getting pruned off. But some of them we lop completely off so they don't grow back. And then other ones we keep. Which ones do we keep? That's the prune. We keep the ones that are closest to the vine. Right? Because sometimes they'll grow like a knob off here, and then you have a shoot off a shoot, you know, and things like that. Because over the years, we'll lop that whole thing off, and we'll keep something else that's actually connected to the vine itself. There's a, yeah. So what is the lesson here? The lesson is be attached to the vine. Abide in Jesus. Or you'll be, be burned up. close to the vine. Or else you're going to get cut off. And Well, think, not only does he want you to produce personal fruit, but he wants you to produce fruit with others. Absolutely. Because the vineyard is long. That's right. That's it's right. a bunch of branches, a bunch that's, of people. That's right. That's where it gets to be tricky. <laughs> See, my job is managing people. Hey, move it's over. It's the hardest job. I'm trying to grow some fruit. Trying to manage people. Yeah. That's the hard. And people are like, they're ambiguous. They oh, come and man. slip to your hand. They sure do. You know, I look back at all the people that have come and gone, all these pictures, you know. Yeah, yeah That's yeah. why you should always update your pictures in your church. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Praise I remember God. him. Yeah, yeah. I remember her. Yep. I'm going to let you take it from here. Yeah. And then, then I'll interject some stuff that I got here. I will. I, I, I will. Because you want to get into 42 through 44, the headstone of the corner. Yep. I do, now we're switching gears. I do like this uh, this parable of the the, the wicked husbandman uh, because I think that it's important to realize that we have to be good stewards of what God has put us in charge of. Period. End of story. Um, okay. Chapter 21, verses 42 through 44, I'm going to read. It says, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. So Yeshua is referencing here Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23, which basically says the same thing, right? The stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Um, Yeshua used this metaphor of the stone to show that the truth can affect people in different ways, depending on how they relate to it. And you can see some examples in Isaiah chapter 8. Uh, verses 14 and 15, and also uh, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, and then also Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. Now, there is hope that many will build on it. However, many will trip over it. At the last judgment, God's enemies, all who reject his kingdom, will be crushed by it. So you see that there's different groups of people. Uh, In the end, Yeshua, the building block, will become the crushing stone. He offers mercy and forgiveness now for those who build build their lives on him and promises crushing judgment for those who don't. We should choose him 
No. You know, not to go to those references, but I will paraphrase yeah, Daniel please. 2, verses 34, 44, and 45. The stone that's cut without hands strikes the image that is standing. That's right. And it comes crashing down. That's right. Okay. So that's that stone falling on those. Babylon, mm-hmm. Greece. Well, Babylon, Persians, Greece, and Romans. That's right. That whole empire. See, it's standing in the last days. It's got the lesser gods. Yeah. See? The Babylonian gods, the Persian gods, the Greek gods, the Roman gods. It all comes striking at the heels of this image and crashes it down. You know, the head of the corner uh, in Acts 4.11, it says, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, the cornerstone, Acts 4.11. Now, the chief cornerstone was the first stone laid down on the ground at one corner of the building. So how about if you go to, now this is where it gets to be very interesting. Go to Isaiah 8.14. This is very interesting about this particular stone. He's not only like a, a cornerstone, but check out this one. 8.14, he will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses, the houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So, you know, here's the thing with Ephraim and Judah, the two houses. Why would Ephraim stumble over Jesus? Because they don't, they don't let him be Jewish. Correct. They can stumble over him and make him into this Maubu-looking Greek Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> they turned him into right? Fabio. Toga. Fabio. Toga, toga. Hippie Jesus, yeah. like what the guy said. Uh, and so, they, you know, well, you know, um, and, and maybe twisting his words, they stumble over him. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, the, the Jews have to recognize Jesus, but they stumble over him because because there's more written about Jesus than any emperor of Rome. Yeah. Documentation. Sure. But uh, if you want to, I want to go and, and stress this if I can. Uh, let's see here. If I can. And I think it was very, very interesting. In First Peter chapter two, I want to begin with uh, verse five. Okay, First Peter chapter two, verse five. This is very interesting about this rock, you know, because it was the one that fallen in the world. All these things. But check this out: Ye also, as lively stones, <laughs> we're lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So if there's a chief cornerstone and we're lively stones, we're being built upon him. Right. That's why our life should reflect that. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Mm. Verse 7, unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. That's right. Everything comes from him. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. A chief cornerstone, a rock of offense. You know, what's interesting, too, is the reason why, Ryan, we're doing Matthew, just so everybody can understand, this is not on a whim. This is not a personal desire. Oh, this is what I like. No, 
what's happened is after the Torah cycle, I had to make a decision. And the Lord said to me, I want you to do Matthew because my son is a king and you are his servants. And it's time to get your house in order mm-hmm. and to know the kingdom. Amen. So that's why we did last fall. We went into small groups mm-hmm. and now we're doing little bite-sized chunks of the scripture uh, on Monday nights and right. if we don't have a guest. So since last fall, we've gone a year and we're only in yeah, 21. chapter 21. Right. So I just want to reiterate that just so everybody understands that, you know, here's this, you know, we, we, we stumble over Jesus, you know. Uh, and another thing, well, why is the gospel so important? Because, you know, we quote the Torah more than the gospels. Shame on us. Well, the gospel quotes the Torah a lot. But too. what I'm saying is that. In all fairness. W- but here's the thing, though. Check this out. This yeah. is what the Lord showed me. He said, I'm going to send you the comforter. And he's going to allow you to bring to mind all the words of Jesus. Amen. I was like, yeah. man. So then you get in a situation. Oh, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. Oof. See, it's not. All right, you're right. Let's, go, let's go back to the Torah. Let's go back to the Torah. Yeah, I like the Torah. <laughs> There's a thousand commandments in the New Testament, only 613 in the Old Testament. What I'm trying to say, Ryan, is that, you know, the rock of offense, the, we want to fall on the rock. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry with you. Yeah. He wants the affection. He wants us to, to bring that to him because he's already shown that. Sure. I mean, when you really stop and think about it, I never doubt God's love. Now, I might not know his ways. I might get frustrated, but I never said, you don't love me. Yeah. That's just immature. It is. That may, no, no. He, he's proven his love. Oh, yeah. You might go through something. You might see something. But but anyway, so I want to just reiterate that. And that, that's really my little nuggets and notes as I was just downloading and putting this all together. That We do stumble over Jesus. That was pretty comprehensive. I, I like that. Um, there is a uh, another view of the head of the corner. So a chief cornerstone, if anybody knows anything about masonry or anything about building, the first stone is the most important because from there, everything else comes from there, That's what it's about, yeah. You have to base everything else on that cornerstone. However, in this example, we're talking about a stone that was rejected by the builders as they're building a structure, okay? So I want you to just imagine that builders are building a wall or building a thing, right? Well, they're building something. Jenga? Right? And some rocks work and some rocks don't in what they're doing. So they're like, what is this rock, right? Maybe it's funky looking or it's a funny shape or whatever. So they toss it to the side and they reject it. Everybody everybody understands that piece of this. And so they build the structure and they're building the structure and they've got this archway that comes, right? Or this big, beautiful crown for the building. And if you know anything about archways, right, you have to build the archway and then there's a keystone, a, a piece. Capstone? A capstone, right, that comes into that spot. That is like the crown. That's interesting. Okay. And all of a sudden, the only stone that fits there is the stone that the builders rejected. So now they bring the stone back, the stone that they had rejected, and it has now become the head of the corner, right? That's right. It's the Rosh Pina in Hebrew. Rosh Pina. Rosh. It's not Rosh. I don't think they roll their R's. It's like Rosh. Oh, it's Greek? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's no, it's Hebrew. Oh. Rosh Pina, so yeah, because it comes from Isaiah, right? The, the stone the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. Um, is Hebrew, so it's Rosh Pina. I don't know what it is in uh, in Greek, but it says head of the corner is what it is. Because Rosh, like Rosh Hashanah, or like Rosh Kodesh, is the head, right? That's right. The beginning of, and so now this this is what's literally going to happen. Why do we stumble over Jesus? Well, because he's still rejected by the builders, right? The builders are still tripping. So now he's laying out in the field and people are tripping over him still. Right. But he will become the crown on top of the kingdom, right? Who rules over everything. 
And I think that we're all waiting for that time for him to come back to his his proper place, right? I'll tell you, I, I, I go back to this all the time. And I'm actually seeing it even today. I'm thinking about wearing one myself. The what would Jesus do bracelets? You just can't <laughs> lose. Get a rubber band and snap your wrist. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I don't like it. I went to another mode yeah. of operation, yeah. Okay. What did I, I changed that out for something. I don't know I what it was. It really stunned. <laughs> I mean, it looked like a red mark. I think I, you know, I think I like had a welt for like two days. I went, I don't think this is healthy. <laughs> Thank you, you know. And that's and yeah. I got that from some counselor, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I tell you what, it does work. Sure. I have to say it did work. Yeah, I mean. I'm just saying that. Anything you do works. So so uh, let's 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 so you want to you, you want to do forty five and go ahead and do forty five and forty six and then close us out so here. This is where the chief priests and the Pharisees become Captain Obvious. That should be the title here. <laughs> so and when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spoke of them. You talking to me? <laughs> oh yeah, I am. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. And so the word parable here is. Parabole, and it means a similitude, fictitious narrative, a proverb of common life conveying a moral. You know what stood out to me? I just wrote this down to last night. Yeshua is a prophet, a priest, and a king. The only example we have in, in the homo sapien race, the humans, was King David. He was a prophet, priest, and king. And he Yeshua is the son of David. He typified Yeshua, the old parables. You know, uh, Lester can, was telling us last night, uh, Lester's from Puerto Rico, and he was saying that uh, parabole, which is how you say, or parabola, parabola, is uh, like throwing two bowls, right? A pair of bowls. In, in parallel, right? Whew. A pair of bowls, right? Literally in Spanish. And uh, he says it makes more sense because then, like, you have the reality and you have the parable because they go in parallel, right? And that, that gives you a better understanding of what uh, the word means. Because, you know, obviously... Parabole, which is Greek, and so Greek and Latin, and I'm sure that Spanish is based on Latin. And I was like, how does that go with like our math questions of parabola? You know, is this any way relation to a parabola? Interesting. Probably not. No. (laughs) So, what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 21? You go first. Verses 23 through 46. I'm working on my second thought here. It's always like, but go ahead. What do you have? Okay, I got you. I got you. I'll 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 give you some some time here. So my first one is this. Woe to the wicked husbandman who pretends to work on behalf of God, but is truly working on his own behalf. True. Wow, that's the first one? That is the first Read one. Read that again. Woe to the wicked husbandman who pretends to work on behalf of God, but is truly working on his own behalf. That's, that's rough. Because I think sometimes we can fake ourselves into or convince ourselves, lie to ourselves and say, oh, I'm doing this for the Lord when in fact. Isn't that true? Can't we just go in the Bible and do anything we want? And oh, use yeah. scripture to use oh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. As long as you don't read the other scriptures that say don't do it. What's your second one? <laughs> My second one is as disciples of Yeshua, we should be able to discern through the Holy Spirit when people come at us with questions that they don't really want answers to. Say that again. As disciples of Yeshua, we should be able to discern when people come at us with questions that they don't really want the answer to, right? Sometimes Actually, Eric Jagertoy brought that out. I think, I yeah, think, that was last night. That was our yeah, points, yeah. That was really good, though. Like, like, what's their motive? Right. So the point there is, is that many times we'll engage in debates with people when they're not really looking for— it's not like you're going to give them information and they're going to be like, oh, thank you for convincing me, you know? 
you need to be able to discern when you're casting your you know pearls before swine, and when you know there's a an actual opportunity to minister to somebody, right? Um, because sometimes people are just baiting you into stuff, you know. I remember when I was watching uh, the newest iteration of the God's Not Dead series. It's about the homeschool group where he goes to the court Mm -hmm. and uh, they were asking him questions about like, you know, the Bible because he's a pastor. Right. And so they were talking about, you know, uh, the traditions of what women wore and how Paul was talking about how women should cover their hair and all this stuff and how, you know, the Bible's, uh, uh, you know, a sexist book or whatever. And, you know, he he kind of realizes in the end that you know they had goaded him into a conversation that was irrelevant to the crux of the matter right right and that they, they didn't really want an answer they just wanted to get him you know talking about the cultural biblical stuff about women right so that that could just incite people to be polarized rather than actually talking about you know the freedoms that were at stake in the in the conference or in the uh, yeah because we, we're not we, we have to study the culture back then yeah yeah exactly Wow. So, all right. What a so, great time. I think, I think my you, butt's numb. Yeah. Do, yeah. Great. <laughs> I've been here a little while. Yeah. Do you, uh, where's do my you, seat cushion? Do you have two points? I do have two points. Praise um, God. you know, um, what two points can be learned? I, I, number one, we have authority to live and further the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, just like, even if it's rejected, right? It's yep. just, Hey, let your peace come back to you and go somewhere else. Right. Then yeah. call down fire. That's right. No, just kidding. So we have authority to live and further the kingdom of God, number one. Number two, I love this one. It really touched me. We need to be the good husbandmen who nurture the vineyard, which represents Israel, and produce fruit. Amen. Drop the pencil. You can close us out. All right. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you have, have sent us husbandmen, good husbandmen, good Good servants, Lord, that have brought the message to us, and let us never be those that reject your servants, Lord. Let us hear your words, God. Let us get your word into us as we study your scriptures, Lord. We desire to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to be able to discern the the things of this world, to discern the spirits that, that are affecting the things that are around us, God. And we just thank you, Lord, that, um, that you've come and that you plan to come again. And so we look forward to your coming, Yeshua, and we say, Bo, Yeshua, Bo. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so, amen. man, this was good stuff. I really enjoyed this portion of Scripture. I know. This was good. I enjoyed it last night. I enjoyed it today. The vineyard represents Israel. That's right. There's, there's more to the story. So if the husbandmen were the Gentiles because they received it, they're, right. they're part of Israel. Amen. They're actually nurturing and bringing forth the fruit. I amen. love that. I, I do, too. I thought about that. I didn't either. All right, so you can email me at ryan at praise.net. Don't forget to comment on everything. You know, my keyboard warriors out there, I love to see it. Um, I want to hear from you. Bless you guys. Have a great week.